one. If you have your Bible, please open it up to Ezekiel chapter 33. We'll begin our study there in just a moment. Ezekiel chapter 33. Great to see everybody here. I know we may have some guests uh, here with us. Thank you for being here. If you have any Bible questions or are interested in a Bible study, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to study the Word of God with you. Ezekiel chapter 33. We'll begin our study there in just a moment. A number of years ago, when I worked with Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, we would have what we would call plan of action meetings. We would call them POA meetings. And we would gather as a team with a lot of optimism. We would strategize and game plan ready to increase our monthly and yearly sales. We would actually have guest visitors or guest celebrities uh, to kind of, I guess, motivate us and things like that. I remember one year in Chicago, we had Dana Carvey. He spoke to us, which was kind of interesting and funny. And after eight years of these meetings, however, I noticed a couple of things. At times, after the meetings that we had, and there's a lot of energy, time, effort, and money put into these meetings, things would go really well. The team would execute, we would follow through, we would hit our marks. Yet at other times, despite having this meeting to kind of get us focused on a particular task or job or whatever it may have been, sometimes we didn't really do that well. We kind of missed our mark. Even with all the time that went into it, with the planning and, okay, we're going to follow up and we're going to do all this, sometimes there just was not a lot of follow through. I've been thinking about that for a particular reason. We just got done wrapping up a series of Bible lessons here. We brought in our brother Brett last week, and uh, brother Brett did a great job teaching us the Word of God, and we spent a lot of time and energy and, and effort putting this series of Bible lessons together. We are reminded about the power of the word. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We heard the word of God every night. I want to commend the congregation. I know I mentioned this in the Bible class, but I want to mention it again. I want to commend the congregation for your effort, for your work, for your participation. It takes a lot to be able to pull off a meeting successfully to do it well. I want to commend you for being here each night at the meeting. I want to commend you for the guests that you brought, uh, the Bible studies. I believe we have some, I know we have a couple Bible studies set up. And uh, let's keep this going. Let's continue to, uh, to continue to spread and teach the Word of God. There was a lot that went into this meeting. And after a meeting like this, I, I think there's a question we all need to ask ourselves. And the question really is, what's next? What's next? What do we do from here? We just got done hearing powerful lessons from the Word of God, and we devoted a bunch of time for this gospel meeting, so where do we go from here? I think if not careful, it can be easy to have a meeting or an event, whatever it may be, and then after we get done with it, it's kind of like, all right, we're done until the next one. But that can't be our mindset because it's almost like a football player. I know you've seen this happen in college football and in the NFL, a football player who works so hard to get the ball, to run all the way down the field, they're getting ready to score, and then they fumble at the one-yard line. All that work that they have done, then they drop the ball right before they get to where they want to be. And so that can't be us. There has to be follow-through. There has to be a continuation of all the things that we heard and all the things that we learned. And so I want to ask everyone a question this morning. And the question is, how are we going to respond? 
as individuals, how are we going to respond to the series of lessons? And if you weren't able to listen to any of the lessons, I would encourage you to go to our website and take the time to listen to the lessons that were presented. As individuals and as a congregation, how are we going to respond? It's a question that I think all of us have to answer. We heard the Word of God preached to us. And whether or not it's a gospel meeting or VBS or a series of special lessons, every time we hear the Word of God, I think we need to ask ourselves, how am I going to respond to the message? How are you going to respond to the message that you're going to hear this morning? How are you going to respond to the message? How am I going to respond to the message that Ken is going to teach us and preach us from the Word of God this evening? It's a question that I think is kind of easy to think about, but it may actually be harder to do. Because it forces us to take action. It forces us to really look inward, to really consider what am I going to do with the Word of God. It can be so easy to commend a preacher. I'm sure Brett got a lot of great job, and that was a great lesson. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about that point before from that passage. And I think preachers like to hear that. And it's very easy to say, man, that's, that was a great way you explained this or that. It's very easy to say that was a great lesson. It really captured my attention. But what do we actually do with that sermon? What do we actually do with the words that we hear? While it's easy to commend someone, sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging to put into action the things that, have been, that are being taught. And there's a passage in the book of Ezekiel that I think really demonstrates this point in Ezekiel chapter 33. Our study is going to come from this Old Testament book. It's a book sometimes we try to avoid or maybe some disciples may avoid, but it's a powerful book. We're going to be teaching this book later on this year. I had the opportunity to teach it last year at Dallin Road. There's so many lessons, and Brett taught us about uh, the, the power of learning from the Israelites from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that these things have been written so that we can learn from them. And there are so many valuable lessons for us to learn from the Israelites, God's people then, and, and what we need to do in our lives today. In Ezekiel chapter th- 33, there's a passage where the Israelites, the people of God, they were excited to hear the word of God. They seemingly were talking about, listen, Ezekiel is getting ready to prophesy. Come on, let's go listen to what he has to say. And while they were excited about this, while they would listen to the words of the prophet in chapter 33, there would not be a lot of follow through. In Ezekiel chapter 33, I want you to notice what the Bible says, beginning at verse number 30. This chapter is really like a recap of of the major events that had already taken place. And there was a lot that had taken place prior to chapter 33. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to see this interaction that God had with Ezekiel. Listen to what he says. In verse number 30, he says, But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls... And in the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. Hey, Ezekiel's getting ready to talk in a little bit. He's getting ready to prophesy in a little bit. Let's go down and let's go listen to him. That's what God was telling Ezekiel. They're talking about you at the doorways and at the walls and to one another. There's a message that's getting ready to be presented. We've got to go listen to that message. They come to you as people come and sit before you. That sounds pretty good, right? The prophet of God is speaking. We need to hear what this man is saying. They come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. 
Behold, and this is so interesting, sad, really, but he says, Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not practice them. Man, have you heard the prophet Ezekiel speak? (laughs) He does a great job. His voice is powerful. And man, he always keeps my attention. Let's go listen to him. And so the people go and listen to the prophet. Man, that was a powerful lesson. Powerful words, Ezekiel. But they don't do them. They go, they sit, they listen, they compliment. But to them, his words are nothing more than like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice. So when it comes to pass, as surely it will, then they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. And that language just really stood out to me about the attitude, about the disposition of God's people, even in the situation that they were in. And you may not be familiar with the situation that was taking place in the days of Ezekiel. So I want to just kind of give you a little bit of a background. The question I want us all to consider is how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to the word of God? When we look at God's people then, there are some valuable lessons and things for us, I guess, to avoid to make sure that we respond the right way. So this man, Ezekiel, was called to preach the word of God. He was called to speak to the people. Go back to chapter 2. In Ezekiel chapter 2, we find that God would tell him to go to his people and to to preach the word. Ezekiel was taken into Babylonian captivity in the second deportation in, in 597 B.C., And he would begin his ministry in 592 B.C. Chapter 1 opens up with this great vision scene of the Lord. And in chapter 2, God is going to tell him, okay, Ezekiel, now it's your time. You're going to go to the people, and I need for you to speak to them. What the Lord was going to do, he was going to show Ezekiel that his task, his mission was going to be difficult because of the mindset of the people. In chapter 2 and verse 1, then he said to me, son of man, Stand on your feet that I may speak with you. As he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. Then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. So Ezekiel is going to begin speaking on behalf of the Lord, and he's going to have to teach and preach exactly what the Lord wanted him to say. But keep in mind that the people that he's talking to, the Israelites, they are in Babylon. They are in captivity. They are prisoners. They have just, they've been taken away. They're in a foreign land. You would think that their mindset, their disposition would be whatever the prophet has to say, we are going to listen. We are going to do. But that wasn't going to be the case. In fact, God would have to warn Ezekiel in verse number 8. He would say, now, now you, son of man, listen to what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Yeah, even, he even had to warn the prophet, make sure you don't go down the path that they're going. Because they have been rebellious, their hearts are hardened, they are stubborn people, but I need for you to go and talk to them. In chapter 3, in verses 10 and 11, this theme is found again. The Bible says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, take into your heart all my words which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. So Ezekiel was to proclaim the word of God. It didn't matter whether or not they listened to him or not. Now, we just saw back in chapter 33 that they were excited to hear the word of God. And while they were excited to hear the word of God, excited to hear the prophet speak, 
we see the types of hearts that these individuals had. Turn over to chapter 12, and I want you to notice verses 1 and 2 in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as Ezekiel is speaking to the people and prophesying to them, he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to get them to repent. If he began speaking to them around 592, then if you remember what's going to happen, in a few short years. Remember what's going to happen? Beginning in 588, yeah, I see you guys uh, mouthing it. In 588 to 586, the destruction of Jerusalem is going to take place. So he's trying to get their attention one last time. They have some, dis- some idea that maybe, you know, maybe we're going to go back home in a short amount of time. Ezekiel is trying to get them to see, you're going to be here for a while. And I need for you to listen because your heart is not right. And while they were listening to him, they essentially were not listening. Look at Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, who you live in the midst of the rebellious house, who have eyes to see but do not see, ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. That sounds like what Jesus would say in the Gospels. Therefore, son of man, prepare yourself. He's going to tell Ezekiel some things that he needed to do. He was just trying to get him to see, look, you're talking to a rebellious group of individuals, which is so interesting when you really think about it, because while they were rebellious, they still wanted to to hear the word of God. Okay, we're going to hear it, but essentially we're not going to do it. The problem was in their hearts. When you turn over to chapter 14, this would become evident. In chapter 14, and this was not just for the people of that time, but really the last few centuries of the nation of Israel. The problem was with idolatry. In chapter 14 and verse 1, Then some of the elders came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Isn't that interesting? They're coming before the prophet. They're listening to him, and yet their hearts are still not in the right place. He said in verse number 3, Son of man... These men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity and then comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols. These individuals had some nerve to go before the Lord trying to get some answers as if everything was okay with them. God's trying to get them to see your heart's not where it needs to be. You have the idols in your heart. I need to be first in your heart and I'm not. In order, verse 5, to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. You see the response that God wanted from his people then? They were to repent. They were to change. They're hearing the word of God for a number of years. And yet while they would hear, they would not respond the proper way. And what we find when you get to Ezekiel chapter 24, God was trying to prepare them and helping them to see, listen, you're not going back home. And all the things that I've said through my prophets about the destruction of Jerusalem, it's going to take place. In Ezekiel chapter 24 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to me in the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth of the month, saying, Son of man, write the name of the day this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. Ezekiel was going to tell the people, it's happening right now. You're in Babylon, but right now, back at home, things are about to change for a long time. And so over a course of a couple of years, the temple would be destroyed. 
and the uh, Judah, Jerusalem, all of these, all of these horrific things would take place. And so the people, while they were being warned by the prophet, you need to get your heart right with God. You need to repent. Don't think you're going back home anytime soon because you're not. While they heard the word of God, they were not responding the proper way. Any false hope that they had was now crushed. And what's interesting is that this would, I think, help, help them to finally come to their senses. You go back to chapter 33, it's kind of a recap of all the events that had taken place, and it really shows us the mindset that they had. And finally, God's people, their eyes would be opened through the devastation, uh, through all of these events that would take place. They would finally see that their situation was really bad, that they truly needed the Lord. When you get over to Ezekiel chapter 37, Ken is going to be talking about hope tonight. And the people of God, by the time you get to Ezekiel chapter 37, they had lost hope because they're in captivity. And the things that the prophet Ezekiel said had come, had come to pass. They had been listening to, to false prophets, and those words had been lies. They were going to remain in, in Babylon for a long time. And what you find, you find the people truly devastated in Ezekiel chapter 37. Look at verse number 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. He talked about the dry bones. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. They're at the place now. Nothing is ever going to get better. Nothing's going to change. It's hopeless here. And so what Ezekiel is going to give, he's going to give them a message of hope. Because their mindset is our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And I have opened your graves and caused you to come out, come up, up, come up out of your graves, my people. God was going to give them a message of hope that one day things would change, that one day they would leave captivity, that they would be able to go back to the land. And that's exactly what would happen. They would leave Babylon. They would return home. They would rebuild. But when you really think about it, none of that was necessary, right? None of that was necessary because if they had listened to the Lord, if their fathers, if their fathers had listened to the Lord, if they would have responded the right way to God's word, they could have avoided all of this. And yet for such a long period of time, not just for these Israelites, but throughout the centuries, the words of the prophets were nothing more than like a sensual song. Man, they sound good. And he did a great job kind of teaching us the word of God. Let's go listen to him again. But they did not follow through. They didn't obey. They didn't truly listen to what God had to say. That was a mindset of God's people then. The question I want to leave with all of us is this. What about us? What's our mindset going to be as we listen to the word of God? How am I, how is Benjamin Lee going to respond? When I hear the word of God, and how are you going to respond? Now, we're not just going to hear the word of God periodically in a gospel meeting or something like that. We're going to hear it every time we come together. As we study the word of God on Wednesdays, as we gather here to worship, we're going to be teaching and preaching from the word of God. The question is, how are we going to respond? Every time we hear the word of God, we've got to make a choice, right? The choice is ours. It's so easy sometimes to commend a sermon, but it's so hard to follow through. When you really think about it, isn't it pretty easy to get to worship services too? I mean, in 2018, it's pretty easy to get to worship services. We have to decide what car we're going to drive to get here. 
And even if we don't have a car, we've got people that can pick us up. And if somebody can't pick us up, we can catch a bus to come to services. It's really hard not to get to services. I know there's some circumstances that can happen. But it's easy for us to come together to worship. But I will tell you, my friends, it is harder sometimes to not just hear the word of God, but to follow through, to make that personal application, and to make the change that may need to be made in our lives. There's another prophet, and I think I mentioned him a few weeks ago. I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 26. You remember Jeremiah's sermon at the temple? There's another lesson right here. Jeremiah's sermon at the temple in Jeremiah chapter 26 and verse number 1. You had people going to, to worship the Lord. And he had people that were going to listen to God's word. In the beginning, Jeremiah 26 and verse 1. Of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house, Watch what he says. You stand in the court of the Lord's house. You speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship. What are they doing? They're coming to, they're, they're coming to worship the Lord. In the Lord's house, all the words that I have commanded you to speak to them, do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen. And everyone will turn from his evil way that I may repent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. We saw what, was, what God was going to do. And you will say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me, to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again, but you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, this city I will make a curse to all the nations of the earth. So Jeremiah is told, you preach the word of God. Perhaps it will change. The people were going there to worship. They were listening to God's word. Now look at verse number seven. The priests and the prophets and all the people, they heard Jeremiah speaking. That's good. They didn't walk out on him. That's great. They heard him speaking these words in the house of the Lord. When Jeremiah finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, they said, Jeremiah, was a powerful lesson. I never put that connection together with that passage to that passage. No, they didn't say anything like that. When he got done speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, the priests and the prophets and all the people seized them saying, you must die. Ouch. Man, thankfully I've never heard that after a sermon. But it's good for preachers to stay in shape in case we ever got to run, all right? Because sometimes people can get upset when you preach the word of God. They said, you must die. We got to get this guy out of here. What's he talking about? Repent. We're coming to the temple. We're worshiping the Lord. You must die. The priest said that. We don't want to hear the word of God. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll come to services. But you really want us to make change? You got to be kidding me. Put this guy to death. It's easy to come to worship. What are we going to do? We hear something that we don't like from the word of God. How am I going to respond? The preacher must die. (laughs) Jesus would say in Luke 6 and verse number 46, why are you calling me Lord, Lord? You're not doing the things that you want, that that I want you to do. If we're going to call Jesus Lord, and he is both Lord and Christ, then we must follow him and we must submit to his will. There must be follow through. At times, there's going to have to be repentance. There's going to have to be action taken. So I've said all of this just to get to that main question again. How are we going to respond? 
And yeah, I'm talking about the gospel meeting because we just went through that series of lessons. How are we going to respond to those words? Think about some of the things that we learned. Did you remember some of the things? Did you write down some of the things? The young people here are really motivating me with note-taking. And so I was taking notes this week, too, to make sure I held on to the things that we, that we learned from Brother Brett. Remember on Sunday, we studied from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in the Bible class? And we were reminded about how God's people can fall away, that there's a possibility. Now, uh, now we should have confidence in our salvation. We should be really confident in our salvation. But the Israelites give us a warning or provide for us a warning that it's possible for us to fall away if not careful. So my question is, how are we going to respond to that? Did you, did you really take the time to think about that? If it's a possibility, then what am I going to do? Was the words that, that, that we heard, were they nothing more than like a sensual song baptized into Moses? You know, I had some questions about that too. That's an interesting study. Is it going to be more than just an interesting study? Is it going to truly impact our hearts? How are we going to respond to that? Maybe we need to look at our armor. Maybe we need to look at our shield of faith. Is there any part of that shield that's getting a little weak that may need to be strengthened? We've got to ask ourselves as we're listening to these lessons, how am I going to respond? These lessons have to be more than just some sensual song. They should hopefully cause us to pause and consider where we are with the Lord. What about Sunday morning and Sunday night? You remember what he talked about Sunday morning and Sunday night? He talked about laying aside the weight that can hold us back from Hebrews chapter 12. And so I want to ask everyone a question this morning. Did you lose any weight this week? And I'm not talking about physical weight. I think I may have gained some weight this week. Went with Todd to Cain's right next door. That place is dangerous. The food just like sits there for like two days. But did you lose any weight this week? Did you think about, you know what? Why is it so hard being a Christian? Is this job really helping me? Yeah, the money's great. But is it causing so much disruption and challenges in my life? Do I need to lay it aside? You see, we, we have to ask ourselves these questions. It's not just you, but it's also, it's also me. And what we heard was it nothing more than like a sensual song, someone playing well on an instrument? Or did it really cause us to pause and to think about how am I going to respond? What's in my life that may be holding me back from being more committed? Why is it such a struggle to get to worship? Why is it so hard to come back Sunday night? And why is it that I just feel like I, I can't get to the place where I need to be? Maybe it's because there's some weight that we need to release once and for all. That's what we heard. And so we got to ask, how are we going to respond? What about Monday? You remember what he talked about Monday? Luke chapter 16, the power of the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. If they don't hear them, they won't even listen to someone who came back from the dead. The power of God's word, the sufficiency of God's word. God's word is enough. I think that's what he was trying to get across. It's enough when it comes to evangelism. It's enough for us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. The question for you and for me, how did I respond to that lesson? Was it just kind of like a sensual song? Oh, it sounded great. You know, that's a great point about Moses and the prophets. And these people wouldn't listen to someone raised from the grave. Man, that's amazing. That's good. Think about those things. But we also got to take a look inside. We got to look in the mirror and ask ourselves do I truly believe that God's word is sufficient? 
Do I truly trust what God says in his words, in his word? Do I trust what he says about heaven? Do I trust what he says about hell? Do I trust what he says about salvation? Do I trust what he says about the power of the gospel? And if I proclaim God's word, if I teach God's word, it's going to have the power to save souls. Do I really believe that? How am I going to respond? It's got to be more than just fantastic lesson, brother. It's got to have impact in our lives. What about this? The sermon on Tuesday about salvation, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow, that's a great sermon. He actually took my sermon. I was going to preach that this Sunday. I was like, oh, no, but it's a powerful sermon. Whoever call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What are you going to do with that? Most of us have already been saved from our sins. So what do we do? Oh, that's a great sermon. I liked how he really broke it down into pieces and things like that. But how are we going to respond to that? We've got to do more with it. Maybe one of the things we do with that sermon is teach it. You have somebody in high school that may believe that they, you know, they said this prayer and now they're saved. Do you know someone who believes that? There's a lot of people who believe that. Maybe we respond by teaching that lesson to someone else. And then what about Wednesday? Did anyone get scared Wednesday night? Start talking about death. Man, it really makes you think, doesn't it? Remember the title? I won't forget the title. Live like you're dying. We talked about, or he talked about the brevity of life, and those words have to be more than just some type of sensual song, something great to listen to, but they should really cause us to think, you know what, one day I am going to die. And just like Hezekiah, I need to make sure that my house is truly in order. Is it? It's not enough just to hear a sermon. The people were sitting at the feet of Ezekiel, inviting other Israelites. Hey, the prophet's getting ready to speak. Let's go listen to him. The people in the days of Jeremiah were going to the temple to worship. And yet the response was, he must die. I don't like what he said. Well, that can't work for us. So we've got to ask ourselves, how are we going to respond? Their hearts were far from God. God's word was merely like a sensual song. The question is, what about us? Brothers and sisters, are we going to practice the things that we hear? Not just in a gospel meeting, but every time we hear the word of God. The choice is ours. Now is the time to respond. Ezekiel wanted the people then to respond. God wanted the people then to respond. He wants us to respond right now. Now is the time for change. Now is the time for repentance. Why? Because judgment day is coming. And now is the time of salvation. And so we cannot wait until it's too late. Let's learn from the Israelites. Let's respond the right way. Let's hear and let's obey. Let's hear and let's follow through with what God wants us to do. Maybe there's someone here this morning who has heard the word of God pertaining to Jesus Christ, that he's the savior of the world, that he can deliver you from your sins. How are you going to respond to that? You, maybe you've been hearing this for weeks or for months or for years, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. How are you going to respond to that? You've got a choice you've got to make, whether you're going to obey him or not. 
we hear the Word of God preached every week, and every week we've got to ask, what am I going to do with this message? We hear things about our marriages, about how husbands should act, about how wives should act. What are we going to do with the words that we hear? About worship, how are we going to respond to God's Word? Now is the time for action. It's got to be more than just good sermon, great job, never heard of that. This is kind of like a sensual song. It's got to cause us to look inward and to really decide, I'm going to make the change that God wants me to make. That's what we want you to do today. And if you have not been saved, if you're outside of Jesus Christ, now is the time for you to be saved. You respond with faith, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If that's you, come now as we stand and as we sing.